You can turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 this morning. We're continuing on in our series in the Ten Commandments. And uh, I hope so far you've been encouraged and challenged just after the first two weeks. As we've been doing each week, I want to remind you of the Ten Commandments. And you can say these with me, repeat these with me. Number one, do not worship any other gods. Number two, do not make idols. Number three, do not misuse the name of the Lord. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Number five, honor your father and your mother. Number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not give false witness. And number 10, do not covet. Uh, Repetition is good for us to be reminded and to memorize and to remember uh, these 10 commandments that our God has given in the Old Testament scriptures uh, in Exodus chapter 20. We've already read uh, through those 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And I want to just begin by reminding us That the purpose that God had for the law was to be our tutor or our schoolmaster, if you will, to show us, to bring us to a point of understanding that we, as sinful human beings, were incapable of perfectly keeping the law. We could not measure up on our own to the holy, righteous standards of our holy, righteous God. And so just in reading through the ten... And hopefully already in just the introduction of the first two commandments, you have come to the realization, as I have, that we're guilty after just the first two, and we got eight more to look at. The Old Testament scriptures had over 600 laws that were given, condensed into these 10. And and if you remember, also, we looked at Jesus' words where Jesus would basically take the 10 even and bring them down to two to love the Lord our God, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And how do we do just with those two? Uh, We're guilty, aren't we? I want to remind us of a passage found in Galatians chapter 3 where Paul the Apostle said, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith." Paul reminds us in Galatians 3 that we are not justified in the sight of God. We are not made right in the sight of God by keeping the works of the law because we couldn't keep the works of the law perfectly. Instead, we are made right in the sight of God through faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. And so if you're here this morning and as you listen this morning as we look at the third commandment and you would sit there and say, man, I am guilty of breaking that command. Or if you listen to the previous two messages and you're like, man, I am guilty of breaking that command. You are guilty. I am guilty. Everyone in here is guilty. But what we've been proclaiming and singing about this morning is that the guiltless one 
the sinless one, the perfect one, Jesus Christ, our Savior, took that guilt, blame, and punishment upon himself by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. He was crucified, buried, and yet raised again the third day. And so our hope, our living hope, is Jesus Christ. And so the law is going to remind us of that. It brings us to commandment number three this morning. Do not misuse the name of the Lord. Uh, Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Look at Exodus chapter 20. I want to begin with verse 1, and I'm just going to read through to verse 7. And when we get to verse 7, we'll focus in on verse 7. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Verse 7 again. Just look at that verse. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Most of us probably see in today's passage uh, a prohibition against curse words, uh, which is true. But I want you to, to listen to this commentator who made this statement. He said, whereas most of us probably see in today's passage a prohibition against curse words that include the words God, Lord, Jesus, and Christ, as well as a command against coarse speech in general, all these things are certainly covered under the third commandment, but they do not exhaust its application. If we were to translate the Hebrew of this passage most literally, we would see that this law is telling us that we should not lift up the name of God to emptiness, worthlessness, or vanity. Often in scripture, the same Hebrew term translated in vain means wickedness or evil. Although it's difficult to capture succinctly the meaning of the third commandment, this statute essentially orders us not to associate our creator with wickedness, or invoke his name in a trivial manner. Just read that last part of that statement and consider how guilty we would be. Although it's difficult to capture succinctly the meaning of the third commandment, this statute essentially orders us not to associate our creator with wickedness or invoke his name in a trivial manner. It's pretty significant when we consider what is meant by not taking the Lord's name in vain. Let's just stop there for a moment and think about our lives as believers and the claims that we make as believers in Jesus Christ. If we claim to be followers of Christ, we therefore should strive to be like Christ. We should be striving for Christ's likeness. We claim to have been made new in Christ. We've already sung about that our chains are gone. We claim to have been set free from the bondage and slavery of sin. We claim to have been indwelt by the spirit of the living God. 
We claim to be loved by God, redeemed by God, and we can go on and on and on about all of the claims that we make as believers in Jesus Christ. We claim these things. We claim to be disciples of Christ, followers of Christ. So therefore, what we say, what we do, what we don't do, how we treat others, the question is, does all of that accurately reflect truthfully Jesus Christ? In our living, are we who call ourselves of the Lord accurately reflecting the Lord? Why is this important? And what does this have to do with the third command of not taking the name of the Lord in vain? Well, let me, let me illustrate this for us. When I was a freshman at Bible college, when I was going to my freshman year, I needed to find a job. And so I went to a number of local places around our campus at BBC, Baptist Bible College, where I went to school for my undergrad, and I went looking for a job. And I was told that if I would let people know when I was interviewing or filling out our application for a job, that if I wrote on there that I was a student at BBC, that it would be looked on favorably. And the reason is because students had a very good reputation from the Bible college of being hard workers, of being of high character, of showing up on time, of actually working when we were there. And so I remember the very first place I went to fill out an application, the manager was interviewing me and he said, why are you in this area? And I told him I was a student at BBC. And he looked at me and said, oh, are you really? He's like, yeah, he's like, oh, it's great. He's like, yeah, students at BBC have been excellent workers and we'd be thrilled to have you. It was so easy. Why? Because that name, the students gave the name of the college and that name held with it a reputation. That name held with it a reputation of hard workers, on time, high character. They weren't going to steal. They weren't going to, you know, putz around when they were supposed to be working. And I benefited from that. As a believer in Jesus Christ who claims the name of Jesus, are we taking, using, and misusing the name of the Lord by the way that we live? Are we breaking this command of taking the Lord's name in vain, of misusing the name of the Lord our God when we claim to be followers of Jesus and yet in our actions, in our words, anything but a representation of Christ would be seen. And I would say this morning, based upon the understanding of this command, that very much so when a believer in Christ is claiming the name of God, belonging to him to be a child of God in our words or actions don't measure up, we are guilty of breaking this command, of misusing, of taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. You see, this broadens this command not simply to our words, but our actions. It broadens it not just to taking the Lord's name in vain by saying his name in a useless manner, but also by representing him as something that he's not. And so often we are guilty. So often we are guilty of claiming the name of Christ and yet dishonoring that name. There's so much more than just cursing when we think about taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. There's so much more than just using God's name in a cussing manner, although it would include that. It has to do with how we live. 
how we honor him, how we represent him, how we speak of him, how we exalt him, and the claims that we make concerning him. That's what I want us to see this morning. I want us to remember this morning. And so here's what I'd like to do over the remaining time that we have this morning. I want to give us uh, four truths concerning the name of the Lord today, and then follow those truths with four challenges that we can seek to implement as we go from here. So let me give you four truths and then four challenges in the remaining time that we have. Truth number one, there is significance to the name of the Lord. There is significance to the name of the Lord. You know, when we think about a name and we think about, in particular, heritage, there is meaning to names and, and, and the and the reason for those names. And we think about scripture, very much uh, the naming of individuals in the scriptures had to do with characteristics, things about them, whether in their appearance or in their actions, um, and, and their significance to the name, and so much more so significance to the name of the Lord. Uh, John Piper, a, a uh, Bible teacher and author, he says about God's name, the first focus of God's meaning in this command is surely God's proper name that he revealed as Moses delivered the people from Egypt, Yahweh, which is built on the verb, I am. It signifies God's absolute being. I am who I am. No beginning, no ending, no becoming, no dependence on anything outside myself. That's my name. Everywhere you see Lord with small caps in the ESV, that's why you, what you should think. Over 6,000 times in the Old Testament, God is introducing himself or referred to by that name. We know this is foremost in God's mind, Piper says, because he's made it so prominent. I am Yahweh, your God, in Exodus 22. In Exodus 25, I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God. Exodus 27, you shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. So the first and most obvious focus of name in verse 7 is Yahweh, I am who I am. Don't take that name in vain. There is significance to the name of the Lord. I want us to consider that for a moment. I want us to consider when we call upon the name of the Lord. I want us to consider for a moment when we mention his name and the significance to that. What do others hear? What do others see about the respect and the honor and the dignity of his name? Certainly, God is referencing not taking his name in vain by simply speaking his name in a worthless or trivial manner. And we can oftentimes be guilty of that. There's significance to the name of the Lord. Number two, there's not to be a misusing of the name of the Lord. Uh, one Bible theologian and commentator, Ligon Duncan, says this about this. He says, let's begin with the very first words of Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. This portion of the verse, this part of the commandment tells us about the name of God. And the point of the commandment is that the name of God be treated with respect, not only in our speech, but also in the whole of our living. This commandment is as broad as life. The third commandment means don't take up God's name wrongly. Not only don't speak God's name wrongly, not only don't write God's name wrongly, not only don't use God's name wrongly, but whenever you take up God's name, make sure you take it up aware of his holiness and consistently with his holiness. Don't claim his name unless you treat it with reverence and respect. 
Do not claim the name of God unless you treat it with reverence and respect. And so I wonder this morning as believers, are we truly, every time we say or utter the name of the Lord, is it truly with reverence and respect? Is it? Do we present the name of God when it comes out of our mouth with reverence and respect? Or does his name, just like any other name, become very trivial to us? There's not to be a misusing of the name of the Lord. This is prominent around the world today, the misuse of the name of the Lord. It's prominent in our culture today. The name of God is just thrown around, misused walked on. And as believers in Jesus Christ, this should never be true of us. Believers misuse the name of the Lord as they mention, speak, or shout the name of our holy God in frivolous, meaningless, or trivial ways. Believer, listen to me this morning. God is calling on every follower of Christ in obedience To not invoke, call out, speak of, or shout out the name of our great God unless it is in a meaningful way. Unless you would be expecting our God to respond to your calling out at that moment, do not use his holy name. He is our God. He is our heavenly Father. And he tells us he hears us. He listens to us when we call. And so, aha, I wonder how we might use his name differently if every time his name was mentioned on our lips, we expected him to respond in that moment to our calling on him. I remember when Ella, our oldest, was just a baby and she was starting to put together some words Uh, even before putting words together, when she was starting to say words that could be understood. Um, I would regularly hold her and I would just constantly be saying to her, dada, dada, say dada. I was trying to get her to say daddy before mommy and uh, it was really important to me. (laughs) And and so I would, if you saw me, I'd be like, dada, dada, like trying to get her to say it and pronouncing it, like watch daddy, you know, and dada, like trying to get it. And so... I don't remember who she said first, if it was mommy or daddy first. It was probably mommy because I would remember if it was daddy first. And, and so finally that day came when she was a dad, dad. And I was like, daddy, she said it. And you know, and you know, parents, you're like, did you hear her? Did you hear her? And they're like, I don't know if that's what she said. And you're like, yes, she did. Because you're so badly wanting to hear her call your name, right? Well, the older the kids get, If you're a parent and you're used to hearing your kids call you dad or daddy or mom or mommy, um, you're just like kind of trained to hear it. No matter like how much commotion is going on around you, you can hear your child calling your name. And so one of the like funny things is I could be at the grocery store and none of the kids will be with me. And I'll be like walking down the grocery aisle and I'll hear someone be like, dad, like three rows over. And I'm like, is that my kid? And, I'll be like, and they're not even with me, but I hear them because they call out like that name. And so like my ear is attentive that I got to find out, like, are they calling on me? And that, listen, I share that because the word of God tells us that our God, our heavenly father hears us as his children. And I wonder, what does he hear from us? 
when we're saying his name. When his name is uttered on our lips. When our voices call out the name of God. What is he hearing? Are we cognizant of the ear of God upon all that we say? Or do we just kind of ignore the reality that our God hears and listens to us and responds to us as his children? Do we truly reverence the name of the Lord? I mean, there's encouragement here. Listen to me this morning. If you're hurting, if you're broken, if you're sorrowful, if you are in need this morning, if you are feeling alone this morning, our God hears. Our God cares. But oh, how we trample that and completely cast that aside in the significance of that when we misuse the name of the Lord. Do not speak the name of the holy God of the universe, our heavenly Father, unless we would be desirous of his hearing and responding at that very moment. To do so would be to misuse the name of the Lord. There's significance to the name of the Lord. There's not to be a misusing of the name of the Lord. Number three, there's not to be a dishonoring of the name of the Lord. John Calvin in his Institutes of the Christian Religion says this, We ought to be so disposed in mind and speech that we neither think nor say anything concerning God and his mysteries without reverence and soberness. That in estimating his works, we conceive nothing but what is honorable to him. We conceive, we utter, we think on and act with nothing other than what is honorable to him as we call upon his name. We can dishonor the name of the Lord in our words for sure, but we need to see that we can also do this in our actions. When a believer in Jesus Christ uses language, harmful words, destructive words, painful words to the destruction of others, and in the name of the Lord, we are dishonoring the name of the Lord, but we are dishonoring the name of the Lord when we claim the name of the Lord and then in our actions completely disobey him. We're dishonoring his name. We're taking his name in vain. We are representatives of Christ Are we rightly representing him? Listen, it should hold weight and value in our minds that you and I as believers in Christ are called ambassadors, representatives for Jesus Christ. That should mean something. Many of you have ordered and and purchased sweatshirts, Maranatha Bible Church sweatshirts, the crew necks, the hoodies. Uh, I also, and I meant to bring one up with you, but I know, I don't know if you know, but we have uh, bumper sticker magnets that have the Maranatha logo on them. You can slap that on the back of your car and, and, and uh, people see it and they think, man, that's like, what is that for? And the goal is that they would like see that around and be like, hey, what does that like M even mean? Oh, that's Maranatha Bible Church. Man, I see those everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of people around that go there and they would come check us out. But anyhow, when I have that M on my car, because you know that I hate traffic. 
But I have that logo on the back of my vehicle. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, honestly, there's been a lot of times when I've been in traffic and like lights green and no one's going. And I'm like, go! Like I've told you that before, right? Um, or I'm driving and someone doesn't know what they're doing or they pull out in front of me and I want to be like, like when they do that, to give a look. And right as I'm about to do that, you know what goes through my head? I got that magnet on the back of my car. <laughs> so if you want some accountability, everybody go get a magnet today. Okay, they're free. Slap that on the back of your car and then you'll be transformed in your, in your driving, okay? But it goes through my head that I got that magnet on the back of my car and I'm like, I don't want to like misrepresent the church. You be like, man, those people are angry drivers. Like if they have... The magnets, and I was talking to one person on staff, I won't tell you who, Pastor Butch, and he was wearing, he was wearing a hoodie, a Maranatha hoodie, and he said that he was at a certain location, he was frustrated about something, and he was about to complain, and he looked down at his sweatshirt, and he was like, I can't complain right now, because people are going to like think the church is awful. It's accountability. Go buy some sweatshirts, all right, for the family. But here's the, here's the reality right? It, it puts a check in our, our minds and our actions when we recognize we're representing something. I mean, let's, let's stop for a minute. I think you know where I'm going with this. We are called representatives of Jesus Christ. The one that we have been singing about, clapping about, Amening about, hallelujahing about. We represent him. We claim that name. How accurate is our representation? How much honor? Is he receiving from what others see of us? We are his representatives. And when we as his representatives do anything or say anything that would disobey him or fall short of the standard of his word in sin, we are dishonoring the name of the Lord our God. We are taking his name in vain. We're attributing something to him that is not true. That's hard, isn't it? The law is our schoolmaster, our tutor. Because every single one of us, if we're honest, right now in this room has to stop and say, man, guilty guilty of dishonoring the name of the Lord. Jesus, when giving instruction in prayer, said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even in his instruction on prayer, he invites the believer to begin with the recognition of the holy name of God, our Father 
holy is your name. If it's God's will that is to be done, it's God's name that is to be exalted. It's God's kingdom that is to come. It's God's greatness that is to be sought after and upheld. To not do so would be to dishonor his name. We have to hurry. There's significance to the name of the Lord. There's not to be a misusing of the name of the Lord, and there's not to be a dishonoring of the name of the Lord. Number four, understand this morning there are consequences to misusing and dishonoring the name of the Lord. He says this in the passage, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There are consequences to the dishonoring, misuse, and vain taking of God's name, and God will not hold him guiltless. Listen, every sin is costly. Every sin is deserving of punishment. Every sin is deserving of the wrath of God, including the one that we've talked about today. Judgment will come, guilt will be admitted, and punishment will follow, and God will be glorified. But wasn't that the point of the whole law? Wasn't the point of the whole law to show us that we're in need of a Savior? The Word of God tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That the wages of sin is death. But the law was our schoolmaster, our tutor to point us to Christ. That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So may I plead with you today, call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. May I plead with you today as those that hopefully have been brought to a point of recognition, we, you, I, we are all guilty of sin. We're all guilty of dishonoring the name of the holy God of the universe, the creator God who knows every thought we think, every word we speak, every action we take, God knows. When you don't think anybody sees, he does. When you don't think anybody knows, he knows. When you don't think anybody can read your mind, he can. We're guilty before a holy God. And that's the point of the commandments of the whole law is to show you and I, to show everyone, we can't save ourselves because we are not good enough. But God, But God, who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive through Christ. By grace you have been saved. And can I plead with you today to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead because you can be saved. You can be forgiven of your sin today, not tomorrow. Today you can be forgiven. Because there is one Savior in one name among men by which we are saved, and that is Jesus. And the word of God tells us that if you will call upon his name, you and I can be saved. We can be forgiven of our sins. If you're here today and you need to trust in Christ as your Savior, not you want, you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can do that today. And so listen to me. Don't listen to anything else I say today. Just listen to this. Put this in your mind and don't listen to the final words I have because they're not gonna be relevant for you if you don't know Christ. Before you leave today, at the conclusion of this service, you come right down front, right here, and you talk to me and ask me how it is that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ today how you can be forgiven of your sin. And I'm gonna invite you at the conclusion of service. You come forward, I'm gonna be right over here. 
And either I or another individual will be able to walk you through how you can have relationship with Jesus today. That's what I want you to put in your mind right now if you need to know Christ. Just hold on to that. Don't lose that. As believers in Jesus Christ today that know him, let me give you these four parting challenges quickly. Number one, maintain reverence and glory to the name of the Lord. Maintain reverence and glory to the name of the Lord in all that we do, church. Number two, speak and sing rightly of the name of the Lord. Be right when we say and speak and sing of his name. Number three, living in honor away, live in an honoring way to the name of the Lord. Let our actions honor him, glorify him. And number four, confess and repent of any dishonor to his name we're responsible for. If you're a believer today, you're like, man, I am guilty. Confess and repent of that sin, knowing he's faithful to forgive. I want to close in a word of prayer this morning. And again, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you recognize you need to know him, I want you to come forward after I pray and dismiss so I can share with you how you can know Christ this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the commandments. Thank you for the reminder of your holiness and the greatness of your name today. I pray this morning that as believers in Christ, we would be stirred to action in honoring you, Lord. That the words that we speak, the thoughts that we think, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. Lord, I pray right now in this room, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, that needs to know Christ as Savior, 